morning. I'm Andrew, the lead pastor here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. And before we get into the next part of our series today, I wanted to take a moment and just do a bit of a celebration. Um, Miss Ruby Bell, would you take a moment and would you stand up um, wherever you are today so everyone knows knows who you are? Why are you guys clapping already? I haven't said why. I told her to stand up. Wait, don't sit down yet. You got to stay standing. Miss Ruby, as you guys know, she is one of our sweetest and most senior saints that we have here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. And she, on Tuesday, just turned 96 years old. So we wanted to celebrate with her. And that's another year of blessing. Like, she is truly wonderful as well. And I heard that you want a Tesla Cybertruck for your birthday. Is that right? If that's not true, then they give you one. You give it to me, okay? Well, we love you. God bless you. Okay, happy birthday to you, okay? All right, church, hey, go ahead and get out your Bibles, digital or analog, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Today we are continuing our series called The Unlikely Family Tree. Last week we talked about how in our culture right now, we are prone to breeze past, to move past introductions. Instead of taking a little bit more time and looking a little bit more closer at what something actually is or who someone actually is. Last week we talked about how we moved past that so quickly, but really introductions matter. Reminders matter. And if we're really going to get to know someone, if we're really going to get to know something, both the introduction and also reminders of what something is or who someone is really does matter. All throughout this series, church, I'm going to challenge you to not skip past the intro as we look at the introduction to Jesus' story, as we look at his genealogy and his unlikely family tree. So again, we're going to start off today in Matthew chapter 1, the intro to the story of Jesus as we talk about his birth and what it means in this season. And again, I want to encourage you to not skip past the intro, but also this week to not hit skip on the recap. Here in Matthew chapter 1, we're looking a little bit closer and listening a little bit more to who Jesus is and his genealogy. In fact, in his genealogy, there are five women who are included in his genealogy. Usually women were not included in the genealogy of anyone, but these five women that are listed, like their stories are powerful. And three out of the five women that are listed, their stories are messy to say the least. This week, we're going to go back to the intro and see what's next in Jesus' family tree. This family tree that shows this incredible covenant story. This incredible story of salvation that God has been interweaving since the very beginning. So in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1, let's go back to the intro and see who we have next in Jesus' genealogy. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Pause right there for a moment. I know we just started, but in case you missed it, don't skip the intro. Don't skip the recap. Number one, write this down, church. Jesus is the Christ. Have you ever thought about what your name means? Look, I know some of you in here, like, the name that you have was maybe passed down, or maybe your parents picked it because they simply liked it, but your name 
actually means something. There's an actual definition included with your name. In fact, my wife was just up here a little bit earlier doing the announcements. Her name is Anna. And her name actually means favor. Um, it means beautiful. It means grace. And let me just say that she is someone that lives up to her name. She's a picture of God's favor to me. Uh, she is beautiful. She is grace-filled, a picture of God's grace. And my name, Andrew, it means strong or manly. Do you guys think I live up to my name? Some of your responses are very insulting. The name Jesus here that Matthew starts his gospel with means something. Look, the name Jesus, it means God saves. And how many of you remember that the name Christ, it wasn't even a last name. In fact, it's a title. It means anointed one. It means Messiah. Again, right out the gate, Matthew is saying that this is the God that saves. This is the anointed one, the Messiah that people have been waiting on for generation after generation. That salvation is found right here in the God, in the one who saves. He says, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. And he goes on to say, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Which is where we were last week. Number two, write this down, church, okay? This genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus, shows us the depths of our sin, but how much further God will go to reach us with his grace. Come on, last week we started and we ended the message by simply asking you, do you believe? Man, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? And then tomorrow when she questions Judah, it was a turning point. It was a turning point in the whole story. That despite all of their sinful choices, it shows just how God was so patient with them. It showed that his grace can turn a mess into a masterpiece. Man, it shows that the grace of God can turn a mess into a miracle. Man, this genealogy of Jesus, this unlikely family of tree, it shows us just how deep our sin will go, but how much deeper and further God will go to reach us with his grace. So we talked about tomorrow last week. And then look how the genealogy continues in verse 4. It says, And Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. This week, we're going to be talking about Rahab, someone who has a messy past, to say the, to say the least. But again, she is a picture of God's grace, how he worked faith in her and grew faith in her to the point that she is commended for her faith all throughout the Bible. In fact, once you go going to turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. And as you're turning to Joshua chapter 2, here's a little bit of background, a little bit of context about where we are in the book of Joshua and who are leading up to the story of Rahab. Look, Joshua has been commanded by God to go into the land of Canaan, the promised land, to go into the land. And God told Joshua, look, every single place that your feet touch, that belongs to you. It has been given to you by God. 
So here in Joshua 2, Joshua is getting ready to send two spies into the land to do some surveillance, to see what's really happening, so they can be ready and prepared to take the land as God has commanded. Today I'm going to read the first 11 verses of Joshua chapter 2, and then again I want to share with you here five ways that we should have a faith just like Rahab. Again, her story will show you that there is no one who's too far from the grace of God, that there is anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. But before I read Joshua chapter 2, let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Lord, we need you. God, we need your kingdom to come. God, we need your will to be done right here in our lives. God, would you do that through us? Lord, would you do that in us? God, I pray for the person today where their past lingers over them. God, I pray that they would see that there is freedom in you. And even though it may feel like a weight because of faith in you, they can be set free in you today. God, I pray for the person today who has heard of you, but they've never trusted you. Lord, I pray that today they will no longer deny who you are, but they would simply believe and receive. The grace that you've been drawing them to, calling them to, the grace that you freely give. God, I pray that for that person today. And Lord, I pray for all of us that because of our fear of you, because of our faith in you, God, wherever you place us, that you would use us for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from, be careful how you say that word, as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. Now again, just pause right there for a moment, church. Doesn't it seem a bit odd to you that here they go, look, they are on a mission. Joshua sent them on a mission to go into the land of Jericho to do some surveillance to see if they are actually ready to take the land like the Lord has commanded and what does the text say the first thing that they do is? They go to the house of a prostitute. Sounds a little bit suspicious to me. Sounds very odd to me. But if you look a little closer at the introduction to this story, again, these men were chosen by Joshua. Again, if you know anything about the story of the children of Israel and the journey that they've been on, when years ago they were supposed to enter into this promised land and some an initial group of spies went in, you know some of the tension and the shortfalls that happened around us. I'm sure Joshua said, look, I don't want a repeat of what happened before. I need to pick some men of faith and integrity that are actually going to go into the land and do what God has called us to do. So I really think these two spies that were sent in were men of integrity, men who were actually following after the Lord. But notice that it says that they lodged there in the house of Rahab. Now, it could also be translated that they slept there, 
But notice that it said that they did not lodge with her or they did not sleep with her. More than likely, they went to the house of the prostitute Rahab because it actually would have looked inconspicuous that they were going into this house. And then house there, it probably means more like an inn. Uh, more than likely where Rahab was and what she was running during this time was probably some type of almost like a hotel for travelers coming through. And because Jericho is probably one of the most wicked nations that has ever existed, Canaan was one of, one of the most wicked nations that ever existed, because this hotel existed for travelers, it probably also had lots of other sinful behavior happening in this hotel. And so if you wanted some, to engage in some sinful behavior, including prostitution, you could go to this hotel. But I think from the scriptures here, from the passage, these men were not going there for the sinful behavior. They knew that this was a place where people were tra- passing through, traveling through, where they can maybe be a little bit inconspicuous, but also maybe gain some intel from the people that were staying there, that worked there, but also from travelers that may be just passing through in this moment. But nevertheless, it seems like the spies' plans to be unnoticed, it seems like it fails, at least in part. So it says, they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And in verse 2, it says, it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly. For you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men laid down, she came up to the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. To Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the lord your god he is god in the heavens above and on the earth beneath church we're going to see right here but not just here that rahab yes she had a past but we're going to see that she has been commended for her faith and i want to share with you that we should have a faith like rahab today so when we're thinking about the faith of Rahab, I'm going, to get, I'm going to give you the first two things to begin with. Write these two things down, okay? Rahab had a faith that fears, and she had a faith that hears. Rahab had a faith that fears, and she had a faith that hears. Come on, you know it's true if it rhymes. 
But look again at her incredible declaration that she makes right here in verse 9 and 10 and 11. Rahab said to the men, she said, I know. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. And in verse 11, she says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord God, he is God. And the he- in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Man, according to what Rahab says here, the people, and it seems like all of the people, according to what she has described, they had heard about what the Lord had done, especially to the Egyptians. Come on, do you remember how God rescued his people from Egypt? Even though they had been in slavery for so many years, God rescued them from the bondage of of slavery. He brought them out of the land, and he was bringing them into the promised land. So the great victories that God had worked in his people and through his people that had spread all throughout the land and had actually reached Jericho. So as God has freed his people, as he's caused them to get these great victories— as he's worked all these mighty works and showed off his great power, that there is no God greater than the one and only God. That the Lord is God. He's been, as he's been working his people through, man, the testimony of the Lord is literally going before them. Rahab Rahab says, look, all of us have heard. All of us fear. But she said, I believe. Write this down, church. Look, for some, the hearing and the fearing of the Lord, it led to belief. And for some, the hearing and fearing of the Lord, it led to denial. Look, for some, it led to belief. We have heard. And for some, it led to an even greater denial of who the Lord is. Rahab said, that she saw what God did to the Egyptians in Egypt. She had heard what God did to the Egyptians in Egypt, and she knew that denial was not just a river in Egypt. I feel like I've been waiting all week. I wrote, I wrote it down in here. I just thought, you know, because it's a, the, the Nile, it's a river in Egypt. Denial. You get it? No? Cut it? Cut it off? So Rahab heard. And church, it led to this reverent, humbling fear of the Lord. She heard, and it led to faith. Heard it to, to declare above any God that she has worshipped for generations in her family. To say that the Lord, the Lord, He is God. But see, others also heard, and they were overcome by fear. But that fear didn't lead to reverence or a humbling of the heart or spirit where they turned to the Lord. Instead, it led to an even greater opposition and pride. For them to say, you know what, we're going to try to stop God's plan. In fact, the king of Jericho went and said, hey, bring out these people. 
we're going to stop them, and ultimately we're going to stop what God is trying to do because we have heard what he's done, and yeah, it's all these mighty works, but we can still overcome it. It led to a denial of who the Lord is. Rahab said, I fear the Lord. I heard who he is and what he can do, and this led to belief, but for others it led to denial where they were even fighting against God, even trying to stop his plan. Listen to me, church. Okay. For those of you in here who have not yet believed in Jesus, have you heard the gospel? Have you heard that God does love you? That he has a plan for you? That he wants you to be in relationship with him? Have you heard that all of us are born with this problem called sin? In fact, sin is what causes the brokenness that we experience in us and even around us. Have you heard that the wages of sin is death? And yes, that is a death that we're all going to experience, but it is also a spiritual death. If nothing is done about that sin problem, we're going to experience that spiritual death after we leave this earth in a very real place called hell for eternity. Have you heard that the wrath of God will be poured out on sinners? who do not acknowledge the Lord. But have you heard that there's good news? Have you heard that this Jesus who is God, he came into this earth to die on the cross and pay the price for your sins? Have you heard that, yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord? Have you heard that when it comes to your identity and your salvation, you don't have to achieve it, but you can receive it? Have you heard that even today, you can call on the name of the Lord? Because anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, have you heard that today is the day of salvation? And for the believer in the room, what is it that you've been hearing in 2023 that God has been calling you to, challenging you to do, wanting you to actually grow in in your faith today? Come on, have you heard that when it comes to forgiveness, that he doesn't want you to hold on to bitterness, but he wants you to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you? Come on, church, have you heard us say so many times that we, well, when we give, look, it is not out of obligation. It is an act of worship that Jesus loves a cheerful giver that is more blessed to give than receive. Have you heard him calling you to take this step to grow in generosity and even tithing, but yet you still will not listen? Come on, have you heard that the Lord is with you and that he's calling you to love your neighbor as yourself. Have you heard, especially those of you right now who are married in this room, that when it comes to all these godly principles of loving your neighbor as yourself, being kind and tenderhearted to one another, that's not just for everyone else, but it's even for those people in your house. Come on, has, has you actually hearing what the Lord has done, have you actually hearing what God has called you to do, has it led to belief or denial? Come on, church, belief determines behavior. What is it is actually being produced in your life? Man, we see in Rahab's life 
that she had a faith that was, had this reverent fear of the Lord because she had heard what the Lord has done. That the Lord is God. She heard, she feared the Lord, and it led to a greater belief in him to hear and to follow him. Not only that, Rahab also had a faith that volunteers. She hears, she fears, and now she volunteers. So the spies come, yes, to her shady hotel. And it is noted here that as the spies come, the king of Jericho comes with probably a couple of people around him, probably some people in his military, and he's immediately demanding that she turn over the spies. And I love how immediately Rahab, in her newfound faith, immediately, she immediately steps into God's kingdom agenda. She knows that the spies are there and God's about to advance his kingdom agenda. And she doesn't wait for any type of invitation. She doesn't wait for um, any type of request from the spies. She immediately starts to serve and to jump into what God was about to do in the place. She immediately volunteered, immediately served, immediately began to serve the spies because she wanted to accomplish God's kingdom agenda. Come on, how many of you know the question I'm about to ask you right now? Are you volunteering? Are you serving? Come on, we're a church that's on a mission to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ, and we do that as we connect, grow, serve, and multiply. Come on, are you doing all these things? Specifically, are you serving? Are you volunteering? Look, Rahab saw what God was about to do because she had heard and she feared the Lord and was humbling herself before him, and she wanted to join in and line herself up with God's kingdom agenda. Do you see what God is doing right here in this church? Come on, I would challenge you, even in this season, by faith, to join in on serving, to join in on volunteering. And again, shameless plug, right there in the seats um, in front of you, there's a little card with all these different ministries that you can check up on and turn it in and get connected to volunteering and serving in this place. Or you can grab me or another ministry leader, and we will get you connected to test drive a ministry for at least the next 30 days. But we want you to join in in what God is doing in this place. So Rahab serves God's kingdom agenda. She volunteers even at risk of her own life to hide the spies. So she has a faith that hears. Uh, She has a faith that fears the Lord, this reverent fear of the Lord. She has a faith that volunteers, but then the next thing is kind of surprising because Rahab lies. But write this down, church, number four. Rahab had a faith that was sincere. And I know that may seem like a bit of a contradiction, but just listen to how the story progresses again back in verse 4. So after the king of Jericho comes, after the spies come, it says that Rahab had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, look, true, okay, it's true the men came to me. She says, but I do not know where they came from. That's a lie. And in verse 5, it says, And when the, when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. Also a lie. She says, I do not know where they went. Also a lie. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. And then the Bible even makes it clear that she is lying in this moment. Uh, probably Joshua, who recorded this story, he makes note right there in verse 6 that she had brought them up to the roof. Okay, so this whole thing, she's lying about what had happened. 
So she brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that had laid that she had laid in order on the roof. And so the men, the king of Jericho and his men, pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the boards, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. You know, one of the questions that I often get whenever I'm teaching on this story, someone is studying the story, is, was God okay with Rahab lying in this moment? Is there ever a time when the Lord is okay with some form of lying, especially if that lying is pushing forward his kingdom agenda, especially if that lying is actually hurting some type or helping some type of person? Listen to me, church, like if you read the Bible, all throughout the Bible, lying is a sin before the Lord. In, in Exodus chapter 20, when the Ten Commandments are given, one of the things that we are commanded to do is to not to bear false witness. We know all throughout Scripture that it says that God does not lie. There is no shadow or turning within him. In fact, he is a picture of truth. And one of the things that he calls his followers to do, that we are to be people who are full of truth and grace. We are to be people who are full of truth and love, just like Christ, just like our Heavenly Father's called us to do, just as the Holy Spirit leads us to do. In fact, remember last week we talked about how even though God doesn't sin or ever condone sin, he can use sovereignly the sinful actions of people to accomplish his will and his good purposes. So one of the things that I see here is the beginning of someone who's really just following the Lord. In fact, Rahab shows us here what an authentic faith can even look like. Not perfect, but authentic. Man, as followers of the Lord, we are going to mess up. And when we do, we don't stay there. We grow. Look, God does not condone Rahab's lie in any part of the Bible, but he does commend her faith. In fact, some of you might be familiar with Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as the great hall of faith. It lists all these great heroes of the Bible. But again, if you just look at the people who are in that list, man, some of them are so messed up, jacked up, so sinful. You wonder, man, if you ever wonder if God can use you, just look at that list and what God accomplished through them as they continue to surrender to him and obey him. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So there's something about faith that shows that you're continually seeking after the Lord, continually drawing close to him. And this is what pleases the God. God, this is how we exercise our faith. And then look who's included in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Church, if you are in a moment right now where you've messed up, where you've sinned again, you're in good company because God's grace is still available to you. In fact, there's something about a sincere faith that acknowledges, yes, I've sinned again against the Lord. I've sinned again against someone else. But I know God does not want to stay there. And his grace, even though I've trusted in him, is still mighty enough to rescue me and to lead me to Christ and to conform me to the image of Christ. And it's still powerful enough to save me even now. And Rahab shows us what it's like to have a sincere faith. And then number five, last one. Rahab had a faith 
that changed the atmosphere. Now listen to how the story continues and concludes in verse 12. It says, now then, please swear by me, Rahab says. Rahab says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then verse 23, it says, Then the two men returned. So the two spies returned. And they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Church, do you see how beautiful, simple, and yet powerful the faith of Rahab was? She has a faith that hears. She has a faith that fears. She has a faith that volunteers. She has a faith that changes the atmosphere. Look right away. She is not keeping what the Lord has done for her just for her. She looks at her father and her mom, her brothers and her sisters, and the people around her, and she says, look, I want this same salvation for them. She's not keeping what has been done for her just for her, but she wants others to experience this same saving grace from the Lord. And her faith even impacts these two spies where they go back and they tell Joshua and they say, truly, truly the Lord has given us all the land and the people's hearts melt before us. Man, her little bit of faith gave them great confidence where they're going to actually accomplish what it is that God has called them to do. But church, there's also something here with Rahab's story that was even with Tamar's story that God, I think, put in this story and even left in the genealogy of Jesus and his intentionality in his word because this is something that he wanted to institute from the beginning that would change the atmosphere of culture for since this story was written. And it's something a little bit that was so subtle that I think the Israelites often missed. Man, the people of Canaan missed. But it's something that God has been trying to write in his redeeming story from the beginning. Look, Rahab was a Canaanite woman. She was a prostitute. She was a sinner who some people would say is far from grace. But she is there to remind the Israelites that the salvation of the Lord wasn't just for them. It was for anyone. Man, look how the Bible continues to talk about her. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 17. It says, And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction, but only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers who we sent. And Joshua chapter 6, verse 22 through 25. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman that belonged to her, as you swore to her. So the young men 
who had been spies, went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all who belonged to her. And in verse 25, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to them, according to Joshua, they were saved. And then listen to how it continues. Fast forward to Ruth chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. Stay with me here. I'm going to show you something. In verse 18, it says, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Many of you guys know that Boaz is this incredible picture of integrity, incredible picture of following the Lord. But do you know who Boaz's mother is? go back to the intro. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Church, a Gentile prostitute, far from God, heard what the Lord did. It resulted in this humbling fear before the Lord where she declared that the Lord is God. It led to a belief in the Lord that was sincere, where she volunteered and said, God, I want to be part of your kingdom agenda. I am all in, to the point where she is commended for her faith. Church, what we just read in Matthew was written 2,000 years ago. What we just read in the book of Joshua was written 3,400 years ago. And again, this shows us that the the unity that the culture has been looking for from so long is only found under one name, and it is the Lord who is God. Man, this is good news that salvation literally is for everyone, is only found under one name. Real culture-changing unity is only found under one name, and that is the name of Jesus. Man, Rahab changed the atmosphere for her family for Joshua and the nation of Israel, where they say, truly, man, God is in this. It built their faith. And for anyone who would think that they are too far from being part of the family of God, man, her story shows that you can be a part too, because anyone who calls on this one name can be changed and saved. Her faith was simple. It was beautiful. It was powerful. It changed the atmosphere. As our worship team comes back to the stage, church, do you have a faith like Rahab's? I want to give you those three choices that you can make in this Christmas season to change the atmosphere and wherever it is that God has placed you. First one is this, to choose Christ over culture. This is something that we've been saying here almost all year right here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. But you know, if you think about it, Rahab could have stayed in the culture that, was, that she was in, in the Canaanite culture, this evil, wicked, multi-God-worshipping culture, uh, where the fact that she was a prostitute, no one would have even batted an eye at. She could have stayed in that culture. But she said, the Lord is God, which means that even over her culture, she's going to follow the Lord. So again, I want to challenge you to make the choice in this season, even if it's something that you've grown up with generationally for year after year, man, whether that's something in our general culture or your family culture, if it is apart from Christ, you don't choose that. You choose Christ. I want to challenge you to change the atmosphere that you would choose to live out if the Lord has said it. Man, we're going to submit to it. 
if the Lord has said something in his word. Again, she heard what the Lord had done. And she was going to submit to that. It led to a greater belief in the Lord. Again, belief determines behavior. Are you right now choosing, if the Lord has said it, I'm going to submit to it? Well, there's something about when you choose to do that, no matter the circumstance, that God literally changes the atmosphere around you. But then I want to challenge you to make the choice to choose to share who you were but to declare who you are in Christ. Look, it's so interesting. And I, I found this as, as I was studying, I, I kept reading it every time her name is mentioned. It, well, not every time. It's like a couple times it's not. Where it says, Rahab, dot, 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 the prostitute. And if you guys have been here for any amount of time, like you've heard me say, look, anyone who's in Christ, it's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Look, you are no longer what you were or what's been done to you. You are what's been done for you in Christ. And I 100% believe all those things are true. But the Bible makes a point to note that, yes, Rahab had a past. That's who she was. Who she was in the Lord, she's commended. She had a faith heard God, feared him. She had a faith that was sincere, that volunteered, that stepped in. She had a faith that changed the atmosphere. So I want to challenge you to have the type of faith. Yes, you do share who you were, your story, your testimony, but you declare who you are in Christ. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, I want to again just thank you for the Christmas season. And I want to thank you, Lord, for this unlikely family tree. Lord, thank you that in your intentionality and your sovereignty, God, you kept these names in your word. Jesus, your genealogy is a reminder that even though our sin is deep, your grace is even deeper. God, if you can reach a Tamar, Lord, if you can reach a Rahab, you can reach us. God, your grace is available to anyone. And God, I pray that we have a faith like Rahab. God, help us, Lord, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. God, help us, Lord, to hear and to have this reverent fear of you. God, help us, Lord, to step into your kingdom agenda. God, help us, Lord, to have a faith that literally changes the atmosphere as we live authentically for you. God, we want to be known to have a faith like that. We love you, God. In Christ's name.